0: Hello and welcome to the first ever SDR Disco Call podcast with your host Neil Booyan. I'm also the managing director for a company called Happy Selling Limited and my role is to make brand new sales development reps or SDRs into happy sellers and I do this by providing SDR training as well as consultancy. And today we're going to be talking about my own SDR story of how I started many years ago and kind of got to happy selling. Before I do though, I just wanted to give some context as to why am I launching the SDR Disco Call podcast? Well, during earlier this year with the pandemic that was going on, like a lot of us, I had a lot of free time on my hands and I had the great opportunity to meet a lot of up and coming budding SDRs that were relatively new to the role, about a year or two in, uh, so I could hear about their stories learn best practices and then share these insights with my current students. And then it dawned on me. um, I listened to a lot of podcasts, however, I haven't found one which was designed specifically for brand new reps who are coming into the role of sales development in SaaS companies. And wouldn't it be nice if they were able to hear from other SDRs that were currently in the role themselves to share these insights and best practices to help you guys become successful and happy sellers. So as mentioned, I'm going to be going into my own story today, and we've got some great guests coming up from multiple companies, and I really look forward to having this journey with you guys. So, how does the SDR Disco Call podcast work? Well, it's actually a discovery call, hence the name, and every Tuesday at 8am, we're gonna have a brand new SDR for 30 minutes and an agenda of introductions, their SDR story, and three key takeaways that they've learned to share with other SDRs. So with that in mind, let's begin. So with my actual story itself, before we go into sales, I'd like to kind of give you the journey of how I got into sales and why I got interested, because to be honest, it wasn't something that I ever foresaw uh, that was going to be right for me. So um, when I came out of college, I decided that I didn't want to go to university. It didn't really appeal to me at the time. And I loved to work more (laughs) and earn money uh, than I did go to continue studying. And in in truth, I had a little bit of a problem with authority when I was younger. I was a bit of a tear away. uh, And I still hold some of those traits today, but I've matured a little bit more, I hope to think. uh, And I'm able to manage those emotions. But within my working career, I've worked in food and hospitality. I've worked in logistics. uh, And most of these roles were Customer-facing or customer service type roles, so I was always speaking to customers, either over the phone or face-to-face, and I really loved that interaction. Um, And then I've got a job in local government, so local authority Wandsworth Borough Council, where I was a housing benefit officer. So my role was to help uh, people from the local authority to see if they were eligible to claim state welfare and benefits to help them with their housing and council tax needs. Uh, And I really felt like I was giving back to the community, I was helping people. Uh, And again, not having that university degree, I, I lacked a lot of things which I was able to learn doing that job. So I was able to learn financial intelligence, how to write a proper uh, official letter, uh, and how to conduct interviews, uh, which would aid me later in life. So what I would do is I would look through documentation. I'd help have to build a picture of this client Um, and then sit down with them for an hour interview to discuss what they were able to receive and in some cases being able to tell them uh, actually they weren't uh, eligible and having to have really hard conversations. And at a young age, this really helped me uh, uh, build out my character and also kind of figure out that, okay, I love working within businesses. I love helping people. Um, And I was also admittedly a bit of a tech geek. So anytime there were any gadgets or smartphones or anything that were coming about, I was always that first guy to have it in the office and I wouldn't stop talking about it. And kind of what got me interested in sales is a a funny story, and it was inspired by Apple. So when the iPhone 3G first came about, I was one of the first guys to get it. I was a hardcore Nokia man back in the day. Um, And I was amazed at this, uh, this device that you were able to install apps uh, for games, for uh, for TV, etc. Uh, and you didn't have to go into a menu, sub-menu uh, to read your messages. It was just at the click of uh, a finger, right? And a lot of my work colleagues like Neil, it's just a phone. As long as I can call and receive it, that, that's all I need to do. Um, but I'd always find use cases as to how individuals would be able to find it. So I had a manager, Sarah. She was a lovely lady. She had two kids uh, and she, she would always say, Neil, get off your phone, get off your phone, get back to work which I do quite a lot. Uh, but I said, oh, but Sarah, I found this cool app. There's an app for this, there's an app for that. And she like, said, Neil, like, look, a phone is a phone and all you need to do is just call people, send a couple of texts and that's it. And I was like, okay. Well, Sarah, like, you were telling me the other day that you uh, went to the doctor's appointment and your two kids were with you and they're quite young and they're quite rowdy and noisy. Um, I said to her, well, look, here's a cool app where they can actually play activity games at Sesame Street Um, You can also like them, uh, watch YouTube videos, etc. You can even watch live TV from that. What do you think of that? Uh, And then a few weeks later, uh, Sarah came back to my desk and said, Neil... I I think I'm going to go buy the iPhone. And I was like, oh, great, come on board. Don't uh, get rid of that BlackBerry, that that horrible business phone that you've got. Uh, And would you know it, like in a department of like 300 people, within like two or three months, at least 25 different people had bought an iPhone uh, based on me just going on and on and on about it. And I remember one day uh, a good friend of mine, Michael, said to me like, Neil, dude, do you work for Apple? Like, do do they pay you commission? I was like, no, 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 no. But I was like, hmm. Like if, if I can convince people and kind of like show them that, you know, this is a great product and this is something that can benefit their life, um, is sales something I want to get into? And at that point, um, I didn't really know how to go about it because I didn't have any sales experience. Um, I wasn't really a salesperson because I always thought they were up their own asses and they were quite stuck up and they were money hungry. And that's not really what I was about. So I decided to explore this a little bit further. Um, well, the, the thing that always stuck in the back of my head was I, I got this job at, at Wandsworth Council through a friend because obviously I wasn't successful in college and I didn't have that university degree. And most sales qualifications uh, or jobs at the time, you had to have a degree. It was a, net re- it was a requisite. Um, so I thought, well, do you know what? How about I do the same thing I did at Wandsworth, like work my way through the ranks, learn how things work and then see if there's an opening, Right. So I approached a company called Read Business Information. So they're a B2B publisher, well known. They they do a lot of publications around the world. You've probably uh, read probably their magazines or subscribed to their articles. Um But I found a finance a sales support uh, admin position uh, within their Proctor Street uh, office in central London. Uh, And basically my job was to support um, a sales team with all the subscriptions that they had closed with customers, do all the billing. uh, And what I really wanted to do was just literally sit on a bank of sales reps and just hear them um, doing their sales calls, like uh, doing their team meetings, watching these like top billers and top closers like make shit tons of commission. Uh, and all that great jazz and basically it was so awe-inspiring to like see a collective group of girls like hitting their targets uh, working with each other to figure out what's going to be the best proposal to send over the client uh, having to answer to the manager when they didn't hit their target and there was just so much hype that really inspired me I said do you know what that's that's what i want to do that's what i want to be part of Um, But that position itself was only a six-month contract and it came to an end. Uh, And thankfully, my manager got me into a finance position within the main head office of RBI uh, based in Sutton. Um, and there I worked uh, under a new product portfolio called Expert HR. It was an online SaaS HR solution. Uh, and my job was basically to save the customers after the sales reps had closed them. So I would do all the billing, the subscription, the invoicing. Uh, and then if customers got stuck on the online portal, they would ring our support line, which would mainly be me. Uh, and I would walk them through how to like re- you know reset their password, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, and then over time, what I found is I actually started to hate the sales guys, because they'd always sell them products or perhaps weren't clear in exactly what the customer got or the customer just didn't understand it. So I was kind of like the agony aunt on the other end of the phone and just walking through customers and just, you know, making them happy and making them sure that they felt right, that they bought the right product. Um, and the thing that the the other ladies that I used to work with within that finance team, they said, you know what, Neil, like you're a better salesperson than some of those guys out there because you actually know the product in and out. You really help out these customers and you help get these renewals in as well. Like, have you ever thought about going into sales? And I sat there and said, yeah, do you know, what? I, I, I have. Um, and I kind of wanted to get into this role to learn more about how sales teams work and kind of what is the product Um, Because I felt scared about, you know, taking on a sales job because I didn't have that university degree. I didn't have that education that some of my peers had. Um, And it kind of stopped me. That was my fear element because I didn't think I was smart enough, you know. Um, but then after a couple of months of doing that job I I kind of got bored of the finance and doing the billing and the subscription that's what what wasn't my future Um, that I approached the sales director for expert HRs, a lovely guy called Jonathan Hamer Um, and I went up to Jonathan and said hey Jonathan do you know what Um, I really want to get into sales I don't have any experience um, but I'd be willing to just give it a shot if if you don't mind What, what do you think and Jonathan like gave me the looking up and down, and he saw this young like budding, energetic dude. And you know, like I w- I was known as a a, f- a favoured member within the team. And he said, Neil, do you know what? I'll give you four weeks to test this out. And 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 if it doesn't work, then you're going to go back to finance, and we're not going to have this conversation again. Do we have a deal? And without hesitation, I said, Yes, let, let let's let's do it. Let's do it. Um so I got into the role and basically what I had to do was call HR uh, personas like directors, managers, etc. And I had to do like a, what was it, 120 dials a day, two and a half hour call time and book two meetings. What I'm happy to say is eight months later, I was like one of their top reps. Like I was booking on average between, I don't know, 30 to 40 meetings a month. Uh, and I just love the art of like getting on the phone like looking out the window having a smile in my voice and like that person that always said no I was determined to kind of like ring them back in a few weeks um, in my Salesforce CRM and then I'd like, try again and I did this continuously continuously and then what I also found was that they were hiring new like tele sales reps that's what we were called back then uh, and I was also helping them out so every time we had a new hire they would sit them next to me to see how I did my thing and then I'd always give them advice and tips and like how it what made me successful and I always said to them like look dude like you've just come fresh out of uni I don't even have that like this wasn't the world that I used to live in um like anybody can do this man you just got to give it a shot and uh I, I had so much fun and like going out with the team and like hitting targets and like how are we going to send out this proposal etc cetera, etc cetera. like I was living the dream and it was friggin' amazing man um but then what happened was uh I I wanted more you know, that, that's kind of like the thing. When things are going good, you want more of the good. Um, and I used to have a really great relationship with the account executives, or we call them account managers. The guys actually went out to meet the customers to do the demos uh, and meet them uh, across the UK. Uh, and I went back to Jonathan and Fiona, my manager as well. And I said, hey guys, like, do you know what? I really want to get into field sales. Like, kind of, what is that career path? And they said, Neil, you're, you're on to great things. I really believe in you. And we'll probably give it about another three or five years and you'll definitely be there. I was like three or five years you what I can't wait that long like I've got aspirations I've got dreams like I want to travel the world I want to meet new people you know I I want to make commission and I I want to live that life that uh, I've always wanted and it was a bit disheartening and to truth be told what they did say was right Um, it's just I wasn't in the right frame of mind to take in that advice Uh, but you know what? everything happens for a reason. And this kind of takes me on to my next point, which is how I got into my startup job, um, uh, Zawara. So, uh, working for RBI and Expert HR at the same time, um, I was at a networking event in Hoburn uh, where there was a lot of people from tech and Silicon Valley and like other salespeople. And I just, you know, put myself out there and just went along on my own. Uh, and I bumped into this lady uh, called Gabriella. Um, and she was a talent acquisition specialist for a US startup. Uh, and me being me, I always thought, you know what, always try to introduce yourself, like put out your hand. And this is all before COVID, mind you. And I said, Hi, my name's Neil. Uh, what, what's your name and what do you do? And she said, Oh, my name's Gabriella. Uh, I'm a recruiter. I work for a US company. You probably not have heard of us before. Um, we're called Zora. And I paused for a minute and I looked at Gabby, oh, sorry, Gabriella. she never likes me to call her Gabby. I said, Gabriella. I was like, is that the subscription billing software that works with Salesforce? And she, like, looked gobsmacked and looked me straight in the face and said, like, Neil, how do you know that? How how do you know about Zora? I said, well, um, before going into sales at Expert HR, um, I used to work in the finance team and I used to use that billing software. Uh, And I used to do all this subscriptions admin on that. And she was like... Neil, I'm going to change your life and I'm going to make you rich. And obviously at a young age at that point, I was like, whoa, okay, a little bit overwhelmed. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? And she said, have have you ever considered working for a startup? And I was like, "I, I don't really know what a startup is. And she said, Neil, think of the likes of Uber, think of like PayPal, like all these tech companies like Apple, they were all once startups with really small teams and they became these big, massive companies later down the line. That's kind of what we do at Zora. That's the stage that we're at. And I was like, okay. And her being a great recruiter that she is, um, she sold me the dream about like working for a US company, doubling my salary, and, you know, like living the life that I've always wanted. But first things first, I had to go through the official recruitment and interview process. And boy, was that a harrowing experience in itself. I can remember it as clear as day. Um, I remember on the morning I like had a fresh suit on. I did my hair. I sh- uh, shined my shoes. And I even got a prayer and a blessing from my mum before I left the house. Uh, and then I took a tube up to Covent Garden in London to meet them at their headquarters um, on Acre Lane. And I remember being nervous as hell. Uh, but I kept like telling myself, like, be strong, be confident. This is something you like you will be able to do. This is kind of your future. You're at your you're at destiny's door, Neil, like go in and smash it. And the interview process itself lasted a whopping two hours where I was grilled by eight different people from Zora's London office, uh, from their account executive team, their professional service, uh, and also like their regional director for Europe as well. And um, I remember there was a, a cup on the table of water uh, and they always said to me, like, Neil, like, please uh, take a drink if you wish. And I said to myself uh, subconsciously, like, Neil don't touch the water because if you go for it your hands are going to shake if you spill it i did not touch that uh, that cup at all but boy did i have a dry throat by the end of that process um but there was this great guy that i met um who became a future mentor and was a really good friend of mine a guy called brendan walsh he was zora's like first ae on the ground for uh, zora europe um, and Brandon beat the hell out of me during that process like he was asking me every question or giving me like every objection as to why Neil was not suited for this SDR role uh, at Zora from stemming from my not having a university degree, not really working that long in sales, only having short successes at expert HR. And he also said like the the other candidates they'd interviewed had uh, previously worked at companies such as Oracle or other tech companies and had at least a year or two experience under their belt. Like, why me? And I really had to like defend and fight for myself. And, and I did well. I, I was quite proud of myself um but there was one thing uh, in the interview which caught his eye and it was based on my cv um so towards the end of the interview process with brendan he said like no i just i just got one last question for you like um on your cv you've got this email address it's not your first name dot last name at com. it's sni underscore beats at uk. like what, what what's that and I was just like, "Oh, um, that's my personal email address because I can't use my work email address because I don't want them to know that I've got them. I'm going for an interview." He said, oh, "Okay, okay, but like, snipe beats, what's that all about?" I said, "Well, outside of work, Brendan, um, I'm an MC slash rapper, and I work in UK urban music on the weekends doing gigs in nightclubs." And he was like, "Oh, that's cool. You must have some great stories to tell." And Brendan's dynamic with me completely changed at this point. And he said, all right, that's really cool to have like a rapper on the team. I I could get down with that. We could spit some bars. Um, And he said, well, Neil, with this MC thing and like Zora, like this is like a full-time position. We're really going to need you to roll up your sleeves. Like um, this MC thing is like, how would it inhibit your your, your day-to-day work? And I said, well, it hasn't. I've been doing it for the last seven years, working other jobs and part-time jobs. It's something that I do and it's my outlet um and i kind of see it as a superman alter ego and what i mean by that is well monday to friday between the hours of nine to five p.m i'm neil Bouyan, ab 2 b sales professional and then in the evening and weekends i'm this mc slash rapper so it's like a clark kent alter ego thing and he said all right i get that he said but what happens if like this rap thing takes off uh, and you kind of leave Zora, and I said, "Well, look, I don't, I can't predict the future, Brendan. But it's kind of uh, like playing the lottery. I have to have that ticket um, if if I'm going to win. But there's no guarantee that I am going to win." And with that, he he looked at me quite sternly and he said, all right, well, Neil, thanks a lot for your time today, and um, best of luck with uh, with with the process. And uh, we'll we'll reach out to you to give you feedback." And I walked out the door, and my heart was pumping. And I remember ringing my mum, just saying, "Like, do you know what, mum?" I don't think I got the job. Like, I'm nothing compared to the other people. Um, well, look, it was worth a shot, right? And within 10 minutes, as I was walking towards a tube, I get a phone call from Gabriella, and she says, Neil, guess what? And I was like, what? She said, you smashed the interview. Like, they tried to grill you. They tried to beat you up, and you really stood out, and they want to offer you the position. I was over the friggin' moon. I was jumping up and down Covent Garden with a smile, a spring in my step. And I said, this is it. This is destiny calling. This 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 is the beginning. Uh, and I was so happy that day, and uh, little did I know that I was about to embark on a great journey. So who was Zora, and who was this SaaS startup Neil was about to go join uh, and fly out to California to meet? Well, simply put, at the time, they were a subscription management platform, a SaaS company based in the cloud, that provided a solution to take your subscriber information from your website – process this into your CRM and make it subscription aware uh, and then push all that information into your accounting software or general ledger. So in essence, it was an end-to-end solution that touched uh, sales, operations and finance and it was headed up by a guy called Teen Zoe. So Teen was employee number 11 at salesforce.com Uh, the big CRM SaaS company, and he was also Mark Benioff's right-hand man and CMO to help launch and scale Salesforce for global domination into the great CRM that we all use uh, and know today. Um, And they obviously were established in the US, but they wanted to grow their presence across the world and decided to open up a London office as to which I was going to be their first SDR. Um, And I was a hybrid one at that, where I was doing inbound and outbound and working with four account executives to generate pipeline throughout the region. So I was flown off to California, uh, San Francisco, and I remember arriving at the airport so pumped and thinking like, wow, I'm really living the dream. I'm traveling now. Uh, I'm going to see the Golden Gate Bridge and I'm going to be able to see Fisherman's Wharf and all these great sights and sounds. But first things first, I was taken to our head office in Redwood City uh, where I met the other SDRs. I remember I was meeting the likes of Danny Borelli, who was a a great, great inspiration and support for me to transition from tele-sales at Redwood. To uh, SAS SDR. Then we had Harrison Haran, we had Addison Lee, we had Kelly, we had all the other SDRs. There are about 20 of them there. Um, and I remember being showing around the Redwood City office uh, and I saw in front of me Teen Zoe in his office walking up and down uh, and I, I looked to Harry and I said, Harry, who was my buddy at the time, I said, Harry, is that Teen? Is, is that our CEO? And he was like, yeah, that's the man, that's the man. So I just frog marched myself straight across the room. I went into Teen's office, knocked on the door and said, hi, Teen, my name's Neil Booyan. I'm your new ZBR for EMEA. A pleasure to meet you and an absolute honor to, to meet a Salesforce veteran. Uh, And he was a very quiet man, very reserved. And he smiled at me and he said, Neil, pleasure to meet you. Welcome aboard to Team Z. uh, And I wish you all the success. Uh, I've got a couple of meetings, but we should definitely catch up later. And with that, I smiled and walked out and went back to the SDR group. And Harry looked at me. He's like, dude, that's like our CEO. You shouldn't just like walk into his office like that. And I was like, why not? Like I wanted to meet the guy, so I did what I thought was right. Uh, and I did this throughout my trip into other offices, such as the CFO, uh, Brian Bell, our CMO, uh, and made, uh, made the realization that I'd made a really great decision and I was literally in the midst of so many great minds uh, and I was so excited about what I was about to learn. And as part of the onboarding, we had like a an SDR SaaS 101 uh, done by Sales Enablement. Where we were learning things about CRMs, general ledgers, APIs, integrations. Uh, and these sessions were held by people that had worked previously at companies like SAP SuccessFactors, Salesforce.com, and they'd been like, doing this job for like 10 years. And I was like, wow, they've really been in SaaS for 10 years. Like they've got so much knowledge. I was like, how, how do you get to that level? And I remember also feeling a little insecure because a lot of these guys had lived the, the Silicon Valley life. They knew all about this stuff, and I just said to my teacher, like privately, as like, "Look, I am a bit worried." And he said, "Look, Neil, you're you're going to be learning a lot of stuff, and we're not expecting you to know this stuff straight away. This takes time, but it is a good idea to sit in calls, uh, listen." to how account executives do their discussion, how professional services do the implementations. And if you ever hear those acronyms like APIs and CRMs and GLs, et cetera, and you don't know what it is, then ask at the end of those sessions because it's really stupid. Uh, well, there's no, There's no such thing as a stupid question, but it's stupid if you don't ask um, and if you just sit there pretending to know because your prospects will call you on that bullshit, um, which was a very valuable lesson and it's something I've always done throughout my career. I'm, I'm always asking questions um, because I always want to learn So, as part of our onboarding process at Zora, our VP of operations, a guy called Ben Kwan, uh, took us, all SDRs, to Foster City to a hotel to kind of give us lunch and kind of do a team building exercise. Um, And I remember sitting in Foster City uh, within the hotel and we're around this big table and Ben's at the front, like a head honcho, kind of like a Yakuza figure. Like this guy, (laughs) from my point of view, was quite scary and very serious, uh, but he had a playful side to him as well. So, shouts out (laughs) to Ben. And I remember him going around the table saying like, hey guys, kind of like, what's inspired you to join Zora? What are the things that stand out to you? And like, kind of what do you want to like get into your career? And what do you want to take away from this position as a ZBR at Zora? And as they went around the room, like people were saying, well, it's their first job out of university, they kind of want to get into the world of sales. Other people were like, "Um, I'd like to get into President's Club, I want to like have shit tons of money, I want to get that Rolex. Somebody else is like, they want to put a deposit on their first house. Uh, Addison, I remember said he wants to get his first Corvette. Funny enough, uh, Addison now has his own racing business and uh, props to him. He's a a crazy driver every time I go out to San Fran. Um, And then they came to me. And at this point, I did feel the nerves bubbling up because, again, I felt so uh, lower than some of these guys because I didn't have their experience. I hadn't lived this life before and they'd lived in Silicon Valley for years. So this was the norm to them. And I went silent for a minute and then I looked back up at Ben and and I, I said to him, I want to be the CEO of my own company. And the room went slightly silent and some people looked at me like, who the hell is this guy? (laughs) And um, Ben was like, kind of like, what's prompted you to say that, Neil? And I said, well, look, um, I've met so many great people at Zora and I've heard their stories about launching companies and, you know, being successes and kind of doing it again and again in multiple startups. I said, I want to live that journey. Um I don't really know what I'm going to be the CEO of um but I know it will happen in time um but I just want to learn as much as I can right now whilst I'm at Zora. And Ben paused and he said I think you and me need to have a conversation. And at this point I was like oh shit like what what did I say wrong have have I said the wrong thing? Um and then later on in the day like Ben pulled me to the side he said hey Neil like um do you know what that's the first time I've ever heard somebody say that in one of these orientation sessions and he said have you ever considered like management or sales management? And I looked at him and said, nah, dude, like I'm a hunter. I, I want to be a top salesperson. And he's like, okay, so what's the path to your CEO? And I said, well, uh, I want to be a ZBR, uh, a Zora Business Representative, aka SDR. I then want to become an account executive. And then I want to be a VP of sales. And then I want to be a CEO. And Ben's words of wisdom were, well, look, great CEOs have pretty much gone through multiple roles and there isn't one straight line to success or to be the CEO. Um, so think about it. Um, if if this is something you'd be interested in, I think it could help in your path. And uh, cut a long story short, it definitely did help uh, learning management so of teams, kind of like uh, leadership, um, how to build strategies and processes. Et cetera. These are all great qualities of a CEO or a managing director of Happy Selling UK. Um, but yeah, So for me, after this, um, I was then flown back over to London to kind of execute the job that I was trained to do. Um, And I was an inbound slash outbound SDR. So I was processing inbound leads, handing these over to four account executives uh, and then doing outbound uh, messages to book meetings for, for the account executives as well. Um, And I really liked doing this because I always had inbound leads to process. And I remember when I got back to London, I had 800 uh, to kind of go through and it took a few weeks, but we finally got there. But it was outbounding, which was my passion and joy. So a lot of the time, the account executives who were there before me uh, were outbounding and like using their old techniques. Um, And during my stay at Zora uh, out in the US, I was privy uh, to John Barrow's sales training. So some uh, some of you may know John Barrows and Morgan uh, Ingram, the SDR goat. Uh, but I met John like when he was still uh, fresh, uh, training SaaS companies in Silicon Valley as a one man band, and his training really stood out in terms of messaging, using LinkedIn, etc. Um, and I just loved crafting personalized emails based on research, reaching out to C level people in organisations, and booking enterprise meetings. And a lot of the time, like Brendan and the other AEs were like, Neil, how the hell are you doing this? Like, we've been doing it for ages. And I was like, hey, hey, it's all about the John Barrow's shelves training. Um, but but I remember like three, uh, one outbound journey, which really stood out to me. And it's an outbound play that took me about three years uh, to book that meeting. And it was um, The Guardian newspaper. So I approached the CEO on a message to say, hey, look, this is what's going on in the market. We're currently working with the likes of Financial Times, IPC Media, et cetera. They've grown their subscriber base. People are moving away from print and they're going to digital subscriptions. And Andy, the CEO at the time, got back to me and said, Neil, we don't believe in gating our content or making our subscribers pay for this. This is all about uh, free. We, We don't want to monetize this. Uh, left it a year and went back to Andy and I always checked in with him like year after year a couple of months just saying hey here's a piece of news etc etc and then I remember uh, with Zora we held our annual conference which was called Subscribed uh, and I invited Andy and I just said hey Andy I was like look I know you're not ready for Zora or you want to buy it but there's going to be a lot of other C-level people from media companies such as yourself and it would be a great time to network and meet others so he came along to the event and I remember two weeks later like doing the post event follow up he then sent me email and he said, Neil, um, I know we weren't ready before, but subscribe really sold it to me and we're now ready to engage with Zora. So three years later after that initial outbound, um, they became a customer. Uh, And I was really proud um, to see that come through, but it's just evident that it's not just a one and done, that's going to book you meeting, especially in the enterprise space. Uh, it does take a lot of time, it takes a lot of education and events are a great way to educate prospects because they can meet uh, other customers like them to understand what was their process and it's kind of like telling a case study, right, but in real life. Uh, the next story is one of my claims to fame. Um, so as an in, uh, inbound lead that came through from a company called HBO Nordic, um, and at the time, they were facing challenges with a local provider to help them launch a new video-on-demand uh, TV service on subscription. Um, and they were looking for a solution that could uh, take the subscriber information, put it in the CRM, and then do the billing for it. Um, and I did my SDR qualification. I then did the education and awareness as to who's or who was and how it can help them. Uh, and they agreed to take next steps of booking a demo with our account exec. So I did all my notes, popped it into the CRM and then booked it into my AE's calendar Um, and off the back of that Brendan came back to me my AE and said Neil they're they're really into this they're actually wanting to fly us out to the Nordics uh, to do a proof of concept and I was like great Uh, so firstly you've booked the meeting in and you've accepted it so I get paid that's how I got paid and then I also got paid if the deal closed and at that point I wasn't really too worried about that and I just wanted to make my commission right and then Brendan came back from the Nordic he said yes they're totally on board Neil well done dude that's a stage 2 uh, opportunity so I got paid because it closed as well Um, And he said, oh, yeah, the the cool thing is they're they're looking to launch a TV show called The Game of Thrones, uh, some medieval thing. And at the time, I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) And then uh, a few years later, I'm in my friend's apartment, and she's like, Neil, you really got to watch this cool new TV show. It's called Game of Thrones. And we sat down, and she started playing it. And I was like, oh, I I had a helping hand in this. I I actually helped the company uh, join with Zora. Um, And it just hit me there. And I was just like, as an SDR, you're talking to frontline leaders and businesses that are launching products and services, and you get that sort of privy information. And you're literally helping change the world. So I can kind of say that I helped bring in the launch of Game of Thrones to millions of subscribers across the whole of Europe. That's my claim to game. And that's a pretty cool story, right? One of the most powerful lessons I learned in the art of SDRing and sales was again from Brendan Walsh, which was the power of silence. So imagine for a moment we're on a stage two call with a CFO that wants to know about budget and pricing for Zora's platform. And Zora wasn't cheap, um, let's just say north of around 300k uh, for the solution that they were looking for. And normally in sales what we do is when we say something where we feel it's going to scare the prospect, we'll say something and then jump in straight away to kind of make them feel safe. Uh, And this is kind of what I was forced into doing as well a lot of the time through my own habits. And we kind of gave the pricing to the CFO. And at that point, Brendan put his hand over my mouth and said, Neil, don't say a word. And we sat there for about a minute and I looked at Brendan. I was like, dude, we have to say something. He's going to kind of like walk away. This is a big deal. Like we're going to screw it up. And Brendan looked at me and smiled and put his finger to his mouth and says, "Mm nope, nope. Don't say anything. Two and a half minutes went by, and I'm literally clawing away at myself and my face, and thinking, "Oh my god, Brendan, what have you done to our to this deal? Like, what's what, what are we gonna do?" And then all of a sudden, the CFO comes back and says, "Yeah, that makes sense. um Cool. So, what do we do to move forward to the next step?" Brendan then looks at me. I'm looking at him with my mouth and jaw wide open in amazement and thinking, how has he done this sales voodoo, uh, especially when quoting that type of pricing to this guy? Uh, And then we got off the call, and Brendan kind of pulled me to the side and he said, Look, a lot of the time in sales, we have to remember there are two ears, one mouth. And when this one mouth is talking, the other two ears uh, have to listen to this and process this information, Neil. So you have to give them time to breathe. And I was like, Whoa, you're so right. Um, And Using this art of silence is something that I do in discovery calls. Uh, I teach it to SDRs. And again, it's because we as humans innately, we, we hate awkward silences. But it again, it allows people to kind of process this information uh, and then come back to with a consensus decision as to what they want to do about it. So use the, the power of silence to, to, to your benefit. And you can definitely see your conversations will chase. So there are a lot of different stories that I could walk you through uh, after being an SDR and going into a team lead, etc. But I'm definitely going to save that for future. But I hope that you've enjoyed uh, my introduction as to how I got into SDRing. And I would say my key takeaways are, number one, don't fear stuff. Because, again, just because I thought I didn't have a university degree, that I wasn't going to be the smartest guy in the room. Uh, In reality, what Zora did, because I was that exception to the rule, they actually removed the, the requisite to have a degree Uh, to join the business and I've seen this actually happen in a lot of other SaaS companies I'm really pleased to see this because again a lot of us can actually do the work experience and work our way up without having to have um, that degree And also, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Like me, I want to be the idiot in the room. I want to be learning from other people that are smarter than me so that can help me uh, move on into my career or try out new ideas, etc. Just like this podcast, Um, I had to learn it from somebody else. I saw them and now I'm trying to do it on, on my own. Another key takeaway is a lot of us want to get from point A to point B as quick as we can, and I was no exception to this rule, um, but I have learned over the years it's all about the in-between of point A and B and the stuff that you're going to learn the experiences. This is what's really going to build you up in your career. And these are the great stories that you're going to be able to tell. And this is what's going to elevate you to kind of know the directions of where you want to go rather than rushing from getting from point A uh, to point B. Uh, And equally, one of the most powerful tools that uh, you can use as an SDR or in sales is the art of storytelling. I hope that these compelling stories have inspired you to maybe change some things in the way that you're doing or to help somebody else out. Um, And I look forward to bringing on future guests to give more inspiration, inspirations in the sdr disco called podcast uh, you can follow me on happyselling.io and you can also check out my linkedin if you've got any questions or you want to be a guest on the show as well or you've got somebody that you feel would be great to get on this show and tell their sdr story thanks a lot for joining guys happy selling and take care Disco call one word at Bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests. So if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'd love to have you on board.